coming to you from Michigan, USA, and listened to by people all over the planet. Get ready to be safe and sound with Sean Sparkman. Sparkman. Never take your eyes off your opponent, even when you bow. Welcome to the Safe and Sound Podcast. My name is Sean Sparkman, your host. I'm excited to be bringing you today out of the great state of New Jersey, Harry Abrahamson. And Harry, can you tell the listeners a little bit about your story and who you are? Yeah, sure. Great. Thanks for having me, Sean. I really appreciate it. You know, a little bit about myself. I, you know, I I got started in the business, you know, after 9-11 happened. I was, you know, working, had a family. And when that happened to me, I, it really kind of, you know, shocked the, the shocked the country, but it shocked me, and I kind of said to myself, you know, it, it, are my personal affairs set up the right way? You know, something happened to me. So I took a real good hard look at myself, and then I was just kind of saying to myself, maybe I should kind of look into maybe getting involved with planning and contacted the person that helped me out with my, my plan at the time, my pension plan, and slowly started to learn a little bit about the business and then decided – a few years after to just kind of form my company, Abrahamson Financial Groups, and it was one of the best things I ever did looking back. It was a great choice, and, uh, you know, it was, it was a nice thing to 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 have and, and to start, and uh, I feel really, really good about it. What did you do before you jumped into the financial industry? I was involved in the printing industry. I was what they would call a print broker and was, you know, since I was a little boy, actually, I was involved with it. So this was like a reinvention uh, of myself. And so I was doing that prior to, and uh, I was working in, in New Jersey and doing a lot of different, working with a lot of different ad agencies in New York City, traveled all over the, the world, really, to different countries and, and did a lot of very interesting things. And then I guess after, the, you know, 9-11, it really kind of, you know, really moved me in the right direction to where I'm doing right now. And so that's what I was doing before. Okay. And why personal finance? Again, at the time I was, you know, father had three kids. I realized the importance of like, you know, if something happened, right? And then I was always very curious about how my pension plan was set up and how it was working, understanding the tax treatment and all this other kind of stuff. I was curious and I wanted to know really how it all works. And then that's kind of really, you know, I started asking a lot of questions about it how my pension plan was working at the time. I even had insurance in my pension plan way back when. I want to switch gears just a little bit. There's a big elephant in the room, and for those of you that are listening, you you may not have heard of Harry before, but he has a very interesting story. And when I say big elephant in the room, it's when anybody Googles your name, Harry, what is it that they can expect to find out about you? Yeah, well, um, if they Google my name, they can find out a lot of really, really Good stuff. Great articles, mentions in national magazines. Unfortunately, there's another Harry Abrahamson, and it happens to be, you know, my dad, and he got himself into trouble. He was a client of UBS and, you know, basically didn't disclose foreign bank accounts. And at the time, we were estranged, so I didn't really know anything about it until I got a phone call from a client, literally, and they said, hey, did you see what? What's uh, on the internet? And I, I was like, 
what is it, you know? And they're like, Google your name. And so, unfortunately, when people do Google my name, things about the Department of Justice, all the stuff pops up on the Internet, which is was very, very problematic. And it's sometimes, still, even today, when people do it, it's a little bit unnerving because, unfortunately, there's nothing that, you know, can be done about it other than just putting out good content, rising above it, and, you know, working very closely with, with all of our clients. You know, some people will be able to read and and identify that the person I think at the time he was 69 I was 45 so clearly there's a you know different person but yeah we have the same name same middle initial and and we both still live in New Jersey so it was a it's a it was a definitely a challenge and something that we're still faced with today. Yeah, and it's an interesting challenge because like you said, there's nothing that you can do about it, and even though. You guys have the same name. It's all stuck there right on the Internet, and people are going to find it, right? I will say one thing that we've reached out to some because it's it's old. It's over 10 years. We did recently, somebody removed some information for us, which was fantastic, right? And we're right now still in the process of contacting, you know, each person. We've had clients, friends, family members that we're reaching out via email to say, hey, is there any way to remove it? Because it's really, you know, the the information has nothing to do with me, has nothing to do with my company. And the only thing that's really happening is it's, it's, it's impacting our business and potential new clients, which really, you know, really isn't fair or just if you think about it. So the information that, that is out there isn't doing anybody any good um, and is certainly harming somebody that has nothing, absolutely nothing to do at all with it. So hopefully as time goes on, more and more information will drop off and disappear. And then we're just going to really, you know, come out of the gate and try to just promote, you know, more content and and just try to get myself out there so that people can identify with the correct Harry Abrahamson. Yeah, you know, it's an interesting thing because usually you pass your your name on to your children if you choose to do so. And it's supposed to be a, a good thing about creating a legacy. But sometimes it can cause a couple issues. I have a funny story where I have a, a life insurance client where it's the, the father and the son, same situation as you and your dad, uh, you know, except uh, it was with their bank accounts where they were both at the same insurance company and the insurance company was taking the dad's monthly amount out of the son's account and vice versa. Oh, <laughs> and, you know, he was way older. So the, the premium was way higher. So the, you know, they kept calling me until we could finally get the thing straightened out with the insurance company. It took a few months, but you know, they're like, what the heck? <laughs> That's funny. That's really yeah. funny. Let's switch subjects a little bit here. You uh, recently wrote an article that was published on annuity.com. Can you tell us a little bit about the article and why you wrote it? I think, you know, again, understanding retirement, right, and understanding how long will people's assets, you know, last. I think the real key when I was writing that article was understanding, like, there are things that people can do today that are really important that they can position themselves so that they have a plan when they get into retirement, right, so that they have strategies that they can implement in retirement, whether it's, you know, the permission to spend, where that article kind of talks a little bit about that concept, and understanding, you know, the importance of having a death benefit there, what what, like, what does that do to the other assets, and then really, and then maybe they want to maybe create a deduction if they have qualified plans, or setting up CRT, so all of these things are real super important, and I guess understanding even, even annuities prior to getting on the podcast with you today, 
I was on a call with a client, and, you know, they're learning about stuff for the first time, and you have to hear people, their reaction of like, wow, I didn't know I can do that. Or I can really take 8% or, or 10% off instead of like your safe withdrawal rate of maybe 3 4 or even Fisher Investments, they, they, they say their clients can take 5%. And I guess it's easy when you have $20 million that you're managing, 5% can cut it. But if you have less money, sometimes that 3 or 4% is not quite enough. And so I think that that article really kind of talks a little bit more about how you can become strategy-focused on planning and putting things in place to maximize maybe your, your retirement income and reduce any unnecessary risk or exposure. Yeah, for those that are listening, there will be a link in the show notes to that article. I suggest you read it. It's, it's not a very long article, but there's some pretty good points that Harry makes in it. One of the things I think that is interesting in this industry, in the financial industry, is the big biases that are out there towards either the market or towards insurance products. And there's not a whole lot of people that work, you know, somewhere in the middle where they're willing to consider all the options. So why would it be important to work with somebody that is open-minded at pursuing all the different options for someone? Yeah, that's a great, that's a great question. I think when you're working together with a person to look at their finances, I think it's important that you really look at the bigger picture, okay, and understanding how to maximize all of the assets, right? And even if you take a look on the insurance industry, which I find interesting, if you look at an ins the insurance industry on a whole, forget about it, the company in particular, the most amount of money that the any carrier will take is like, you know, 50% of the assets that they would put in from a suitability standpoint. Even if a client wants to just put it all in, let's just say they, they decide they're not going to be allowed to do that. And so I like that check and balance right there for a person. And then the other portion of assets have to be managed, you know, somewhere, whether it's going to be in a bank, CD, or properly managed by a money manager. So I think when you're working with a person that understands the bigger picture, that, that bigger picture, it's great. I think one of the challenges is that when you talk to maybe just a person that's purely just based on a, a money manager, they, 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 don't, they don't like annuities. And, and that's the, where I always say to myself, give me the logical case, honestly. You know, show it to me. Because if I'm dealing with it right now where I have a client, we're putting in a million dollars and there's a million dollars that needs to be managed and, and, you know, the safe withdrawal rate, you know, 4%. So I think it's important to look at the bigger picture and always have that balance and be open and discuss options with people so that they can say, I think I like that better or that fits into this a little bit more. Or they may need some more income or what if they need to have more income in the future? So I think it's important to really construct and work together with the client to say, okay, let's put together a plan that's going to work really under all circumstances. And again, nobody can predict the future, right? So, <laughs> right. you know, you always want to have, you want to have levers and things in place and just in case something pops up that maybe might, uh, you know, create a potential problem. Yeah, I love it. And that holistic point of view in my mind is always the better way to go because not every strategy is right for every person, whether it's insurance or market-based or whatever it may be. There, there's always, you know, different ways that things can be approached. But if you're not taking everything into account, then what are you really doing? So I want to talk a little bit more about you. And I, I love asking these questions because everybody has a very similar answer sometimes, but they're, they can be a little different too. So what do you view as one of your greatest successes in life? And that could be business, family, whatever you want to share. So I think 
outside of being a father of five, right, which is, a, a, a you know, of course, your children. But, you know, I, I was interesting. I, when I grew up, I was dyslexic. I'm dyslexic. I didn't really know it at the time. So school for me was a little bit of a challenge, okay? I really didn't have a lot of self-confidence. And it wasn't until I actually went to college where I was able to overcome that. And I was able to discover, wow, you know, like, I'm dyslexic. And I had to learn how to really deal with that. And then, you know, long story short, I ended up graduating in three and a half years with almost a double major in marketing and finance. I was on the dean's list. And my parents were even like, is this the same Harry? Like, seriously? I kind of learned that. And so I realized at that young age to, you know, always constantly learn and read and educate yourself. And I feel like that's like kind of like one of my biggest successes because I've been able to overcome a lot of things, you know, and uh, rise above it and to continue on my journey because I, you know, I always am learning and reading and listening to people. And one of the interesting things, and I'd love to know from you, if you don't mind, I'd love to ask you the same question I ask people. is like, you know, if you had one book that you, like you would recommend somebody to read, like what would that book be? And I could be out at, you know, at a dinner, at a cocktail party, and I love getting the answer, you know, because people have more than one, but if there's that just that one book, you know, what's that one book? And a lot of times when I get that book, I'll try to read it, or maybe I have read it. So I think that's probably, in my opinion, where I see my greatest success overall in my, on my life journey. So to answer your question, of course, there is a, a couple of books that I, I could recommend. I love right. Think and Grow Rich. The first time I ever read it, my I read it, I was only like 11 years old. And it's right. really shaped a lot of the way that I approach the world. And I love the what's inside that book. If you've never read it, it, it the whole concept is about bettering others, which will, of course, better yourself. And it's about thinking and learning, just like you were talking about. So I absolutely love that. And then uh, I also read, uh, probably was about 12 or 13, my dad had me read Rich Dad, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, which was also a really foundational book for thinking in business and different things along those lines. But one that I've read as an adult that I absolutely love is a book called Ego is the Enemy by Ryan Holiday. And I highly recommend that book. It's a very interesting read. It's ultimately about how to be a strong, confident person without the arrogance that can sometimes be associated with being a strong, confident person. That's why he calls it ego is the enemy. It's about being humble, but still having that inner strength to, you know, not be a pushover. Because a lot of times people might look at somebody that's humble as a a pushover, or even when you're trying to be humble, you know, when I was learning, you know, how to do that, which of course is a daily thing. <laughs> but, uh, you know, when I first started looking at it, it was like, well, I thought I had to be kind of like a pushover. And that, that's not, that's not a true humbleness. So it's a, that's a really good one. And thanks for asking that question. It <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a, it's a cool read. So let's switch gears. I love failure. It's not a normal thing to uh, hear, <laughs> but I think it's the key to all success. You, you can't have any kind of success in life, whether it's your relationships or your business or whatever it may be, without failure. It's just part of life. And so what is something that you failed at that you're willing to share? It is important. I, you know, I think when you look at failure, it's also learning from that experience and trying to get something out of it. 
And it's hard. You know, it really is. And and for me personally, failure, I'd have to probably say, unfortunately, was always like, you know, relationships, right? My personal relationships. Even looking back on it now, you know, it's just, it, it's a, it's always very painful because you have to learn and grow from that. I think for me, I always worked, you know, I was always working straight through college. You know, I worked in high school. It was, you know, I really didn't learn about how to nurture and understand that part of my life. Now I can say where I am right now, I, I met a beautiful woman and I, you know, have a greater understanding and respect for it. And I've learned from all of that failure in my past, but I would have to say be probably on the personal relationship side where it was very deficient and, and really kind of really focused in on my my professional life. And so that was probably my my greatest failure. Well, I'm glad you brought up relationships because obviously they're very, very important. And there is distinctions between a personal relationship and, of course, a business relationship. So on the business relationship side, you, obviously building those relationships is extremely important and taking care of them as you would in loyalty and acting in the client's best interest is always the most important thing. So that's not always the way that people do it, right? Sometimes it can be, uh, you know, what can I get out of this instead of what can I give to the client? So what brought you around to thinking, you know, what can I give instead of what can I take? I think what, you know, I was fortunate because one of the things my dad really taught me in business was relationships, forming relationships and having a genuine caring about the person. And I, and I guess, you know, when I came into this business, it was really liberating for me because I was able to really sit down with people and focus on what's going to really help them. How can they put together a proper plan? And one of the things, and you know, I tell people all the time this, you know, we're not in the business of replacing relationships. We're here to enhance. I say it to everybody. You know, we're here to enhance relationships. You know, you, you don't come into situations and replace. And if people are having a problem or people are not happy, okay, that's fine. You know, you can, you can, you can make me make a, a recommendation. But we're here to really, in terms of working together, is to collaborate, almost kind of having like all of your advisors, like having a private board of directors meeting and, and making sure when you're sitting down with that client, that individual, the business, the, whoever you're working with, is that, you're you're helping them collaborate with all of their different people that maybe they don't even consider themselves as an advisor to help make sure that they have a coordinated plan, a coordinated approach. So relationships are are so so important, and and it's also very fulfilling. You know, when you're able to kind of help people with their plan, with their approach, how they view things, and educate them. It's very very empowering, and I love I love when a when a client I'm working with starts to kind of talk about something and, and they have such a great grasp of it themselves and how it's being applied into their plan. It's, it's very, it's a great, it's a fantastic feeling. Yeah, it's a really rewarding thing. And I, I love that you think that way. And I like your analogy about uh, it's like having a board of directors for your own personal plan when you have multiple advisors around you. So I got just a couple of more questions for you, Harry, as we're going to wrap it up here. Uh, this is one of my favorite questions to ask because you get some very interesting answers. So what are you curious about? What am I curious about? <laughs> so I guess I'm a little curious about 
one of the things, again, I really haven't really talked about this, so is I have a I have a fear of heights, okay? And I've always been curious about maybe like learning how to fly or I hear stories about people saying, hey, if you fly or, you know, maybe that, and then I'm, I'm afraid of heights, right? So I'm, I was always wondering, you know, would that be something I should kind of look at? And then on the flip side, I always say to myself, well, I don't do that for a living. I don't, I have a family, I have five kids, uh, I'm engaged right now. So I don't want to do something <laughs> silly. So, I, I, you know, like I'm like, wait a second. <laughs> so maybe I should rethink that. But, yeah, I, I would have to say probably if, I, if I'm curious, that's something that, you know, right now in my present moment that I'm I'm curious about. That's, a, that's an interesting one. Uh, I'm actually, uh, I don't know if I told you this, but I, I, I rock climb with my brother. So if you're ever interested in testing out your uh, limits, just let me know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that one. <laughs> uh, you can send some pictures of something, you know, and I think I'll be okay. Right. <laughs> Well, Harry, is there, is there anything uh, I should have asked you, but I didn't? No, you know, I, I appreciate you having me on. It was a lot of fun, you know, and I thought the questions were really interesting. I appreciate you spending the time with me and having me on. So it was a, it was great. But no, I think um, we we covered a lot of things here. Some people might get some things out of it. Certainly, the books, right? Well, Harry, thank you very much for being on the show. It, it was a pleasure. If people want to learn more about you and who you are, what, where should they go? What should they do? They can check us out online at uh, www.abrahamson, A-B-R-A-H-A-M-S-E-N, financial.com. And then we just recently launched a little YouTube channel to try to just get some content out there uh, about us. So it's slow. If they want to subscribe, that would be fantastic. We're going to be putting some interesting content there, just some tips and some strategies so they can check us out there as well. And for those of you listening, we'll have some links in the show notes if you want to learn more about Harry. As always, uh, like and subscribe the show. And my name is Sean Sparkman, your host for the Safe and Sound podcast. We're always bringing you people from all across the country, from different industries, to try and help you build a safe and sound lifestyle. So thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next week. Thanks for listening to Safe and Sound Radio with Sean Sparkman. Sean Sparkman. If you have questions or would like to suggest a topic for future shows, contact Sean at 313-246-9278 or visit the website at www.safeandsoundretirement.net. That's www.safeandsoundretirement.net. I must leave.